Welcome back into Auburn Opelika this morning. It's that time of the week. Happy Finance Friday as uh, Lindsey Crosby, our own of uh, Mid-South Bank, uh, takes over this segment. All right, so uh, what are we talking about this week? Well, what's the one thing that you've heard a ton of right now as far as like people are like, I just can't do this? It's buying houses. Okay. They're talking about... You know, uh, price like prices of houses are out of control. There's no houses available and all of that. So I kind of wanted to talk about it. All right. Um, so there is a housing shortage. I mean, let's be clear. Uh, depending on who you ask, whether it's uh, whether it's Freddie Mac and Fannie Mae, whether it's independent studies, it's somewhere around 3.3 to 3.8 million houses like that we need that we don't have. Mm-hmm. So there is a shortage. Let's be clear on that. Um, there's one report that said that we're about 40% lower than we need to be as far as the total number of houses. So depending on who you ask, we don't really know. And it is also correct that prices are high. Um, you know, the average median home price in 1980 for a house was about $147,000 in today's dollars. Okay. Uh, the average price now is $353,000. Wow. Which is 18% higher than it was last year. Like, it, prices are especially high right now. Um, but like, yeah, in today's dollars, it's like 40% higher. It's things are going crazy. And so as, as happens, people are looking for a boogeyman and who can I blame for this? You know, whose fault is it that there's not houses out there to buy? And one of the common things I've been seeing a lot of recently is people are blaming wall street. So there was some, uh, there was some reports about institutional investors, specifically private equity firms, that are increasing the demand for homes and pushing prices upward. And it's not like I saw a thing. The Wall Street Journal had a big thing about it, about investors snapping up single-family homes competing with ordinary Americans. Marketplace had a report like that. Uh, The Washington Post had a thing about saying one of the main reasons for the skyrocketing skyrocketing prices, and I'm going to quote here, quote, a huge buying spree from institutional investors. even hit Twitter. There's a Senate candidate in Ohio, J.D. Vance, that started going on about how it's uh, it's all BlackRock, the world's largest asset manager. It's their fault for buying every single family house they can find and outbidding normal home buyers. So kind of wanted to take a second and explain the role of institutional investors in the housing market and then kind of get into the real reason there's prices are so high and there's a shortage. Okay. All right. So. Institutional investors play an actual small role in the housing market. Like there are big firms that, that own apartments and multifamily housing units. You know they own they own um, you know giant like duplex and attached housing things and stuff like that. But there traditionally hasn't been that same level of investment in single family homes. We have seen recently some companies start to get into that space. They're, they'll commit you know five hundred million dollars to buying buying single-family homes and renting them out. But in total, there's about 130 million houses in the U.S. Okay. 80 million of those are detached single-family homes, and only 20% of those, so like 15,000 or 15 million, are rental houses. Um, you have to understand, investors are going to go wherever the yield is. They're one of, they want to make profit. If you don't want them to buy, like, and there's profit to be made in houses. We've seen the prices are going up, the demand is going up. Mm-hmm. If you don't want them to, to buy houses, build more homes, ensure that they can't have a larger, larger market share, and reduce the incentive for them to just chase profits at any cost. Right. So build more houses. 
I mean, and there are reasons to be slightly concerned that an institutional investor might flip a home and when they flip a home, they're going to price people out of it because it's it's going to be more expensive than it was. Or that if they're going to keep it and 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 lend it, that they might not be a great landlord compared to a local company. That's a valid concern. Um, and we all know private equity doesn't have a good reputation. We've seen uh, them buy a company and likelihood of layoffs increases when they buy a company or they buy a hospital and all of a sudden people get hit with surprise medical bills. Like we know that private equity is not perfect, but you really can't blame them for this. Uh, we actually need institutional investors in the market. Uh, so after the Great Recession, millions of foreclosed homes hit the economy and nobody really was in a position to buy. And institutional investors from 2010 through 2013 actually were the primary home buyers in the market. They provided kind of a floor for the market. They actually played a vital role because you knew you had some sort of price guarantee. The, the pr prices would never fall below this specific amount because these companies were coming in. They were the only ones who financially were able to make purchases. So they have a role in the market. And you have to remember that, okay, so by 2016, private equity firms had bought more than $200,000 houses. But remember, we have um, $130 it's less than 1% of all single-family housing units in the U.S. And so uh, at its peak, they were, you know, investor purchases were at 20% of housing sales. And when I say uh, investor purchases, that is anybody who already owns a home. Okay. So that is these large companies, but that is also people buying second homes or vacation rentals. That is also... You know, mom and pop landlords who just have a couple things and they rent them out and they make a little bit of money off of each. Mm -hmm. That's people who like to buy them, renovate them, and flip them for profit. That's not just large institutional investors. Um, you know, the the belief is that right now institutional operators own like three hundred thousand single family rental uh, rental homes. Again, there's eighty million detached single family homes in the U.S. There's right. 130 million total houses. So that's a very small percentage. They are not the reason that we are short on houses. Uh, and I'm going to tell you why we're actually short on houses after the break. This is a Finance Friday. We continue our conversation next. Welcome back to Auburn Opelika this morning. We're in the middle of a Finance Friday with our own Lindsey Crosby of the Mid-South Bank. All right, we're talking about the the housing crisis. The housing shortages, yeah. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of reasons, and what's the biggest thing contributing to it? And it's supply. It's lack of supply. I know you're shocked, Zach, because we never talk about supply. Supply and demand... We never talk about supply and demand. Are on you this show. kidding me? It's supply, you know, it's supply and demand. So, let's cover the demand first. So, demand for second homes is significantly higher. Um, like, if you look at the end of 2018 to where we are now, but you know, about two and a half years, demand for second homes is about 178 percent higher. And a lot of that is because the number one demographic for second homes are people who are getting close to retirement age and want to have a primary residence and then a residence to travel to that is either near some attraction they want or is near family. So 
as the baby boomer generation gets towards retirement age, they are purchasing more second homes as well as people, obviously, who, you know, who are younger and want a vacation house, have the means, things like that. Sure. Um, demand for primary homes is also higher because a lot of millennials are getting to that point where rather than paying, you know, an average of $1,300 a month in rent, they are looking at buying instead. So the demand kind of makes sense as far as who was buying houses. And then you also look at why people are buying houses. Many Americans came out of the financial crisis financially okay or better than when they went in because they, for the most part, didn't lose a lot of income because they were able to work remotely. And they received thousands of dollars in direct financial stimulus from the government. Mm. So a lot of millennials who wanted to buy homes and necessarily weren't able to now have have been given money to help with a down payment and and you know have for some reason become dissatisfied with their apartment they were living in or their rental unit they were living in because they were stuck in it for nine months they couldn't leave right. the house so demand is up supply is the bigger issue here so we've been underbuilding houses since the great recession uh, the National Association of Realtors estimates that in the year 2000, we were about six and a half million houses short of where we needed to be. And the number of houses we built in the 2000s was 20 times lower than any other decade going back to World War II. Interesting. We just have not bought, we have not built a lot of houses. Uh, and then something that exacerbated that problem was the pandemic. And the pandemic exacerbated that problem of building houses, specifically when it came to the houses that we were building, cost more. Uh, lumber factories briefly closed when the pandemic started, but demand increased. You know, lumber prices are up over, I believe it's 220% since April 2020, and which that adds on average about $35,000 to the price of a new home. So you look at, we have not been building as many houses. Right. We look at the houses that we are building cost more, mm -hmm. as well as the demand so dramatically outpaces the supply that prices continue to rise. One, you see why institutional investors are getting into the single-family housing market. There's obviously returns to be had. You can make money in the market. Yeah. So if you don't want institutional investors to jump into that market, if you want prices to behave more reasonably, the trick is build more houses. The issue that we've had, and it's gotten worse as we've gone on, is the rise of what a lot of people, uh, you know, planners and, and zoning people call a NIMBY. And that is not in my backyard. Mm -hmm. It's somebody who, acknowledge, you know, who may or may not acknowledge that there is an issue. They may or may not acknowledge that we need housing. We need this. We need that. That's fine. I want you guys to do that. Just don't do it near me. Mm -hmm. Do it somewhere else. Uh, we saw that across the street here from the station this week. Now, in my mind, that's a little bit different yeah. because that was going off of a city's uh, land use planning, land use sure. designation. This is set, this is not set up to be a residential area. But when you see um, citizens come out and protest, they don't want a new housing development to come in. Mm -hmm. That's a perfect example of something where where we need housing. Everyone acknowledges, like, okay, you don't like how expensive houses are? You don't like how hard it is to buy a house in Auburn? We need to build more houses. 
Yep. Opelika is doing a great job of making sure that, that housing gets approved. Auburn's doing a great job of making sure that housing developments get approved. But there's still people out there who don't want us to build more housing because they don't want to be disturbed. And in some cases, people – it's a deliberate decision because they want housing to remain scarce so that their house is worth more money. The price of your house is not going to come down. It, may, it just may not rise as much if there's more housing. Uh, so there's some people who are opposed to building for that reason. They're opposed mm. to building because they, it's, they selfishly want their house to be worth as much as possible. There's some people that are opposed to it um, simply because they just don't want to deal with that construction in their area. So it's like, hey, my neighborhood's fine. I don't need you guys driving down this road with giant trucks to build houses back here on the street behind mine because that disrupts my life. Well, right. that's a perfect example of not in my backyard. You mm-hmm. want housing to be built. You want it to be easier to buy a house. You just don't want it built near you. Right. That's a problem. And then you do have um, you know, some, some people, elected officials, things like that, who are just reflexively opposed to anything like that. Um, Simply, that's just that. That's just a matter of course. It's just no matter what, I'm going to say no to building anything because you know, like, you know, nobody's immune to that. Every neighborhood has, or every neighborhood, every city council has that. Every planning commission has that. I mean, even Auburn has that. We have, you know, folks on on city council who are just adamantly opposed to new developments and new building, uh, ignoring the fact that bringing in a new housing development, bringing in a new subdivision creates revenue for the city, creates jobs for the city, and alleviates the housing crisis. It'll help, ev- it'll help everybody as far as the supply of homes, the availability of purchasing a home, and the ability for us to, ret- to retain and keep talent from leaving and going to live in a different municipality or leaving and going to a different city altogether. Right. So um, ultimately, we should want to do anything we can to encourage new housing development because it will help all of us. Lindsey Crosby, that is another Finance Friday in the books. My friend, where can people go to uh, to reach you in regards to any kind of uh, financial service that they may need? I'm at Mid-South Bank, 519 East Glen Avenue in Auburn, or call me, 334-521-6009. That's another Finance Friday in the books. This is Auburn Opelika this morning.